Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just $36.80. Sarah, how are you today? Hi, Jim. How are you? Doing great. I'm calling because my daughter bought a house up in the north part of town by Gary Ashburn and, and Richmond. And when she bought the house, she knew it had foundation issues, but it had a warranty. Well, she's owned the house now for about six years. They've been out every single year, and they, she has huge cracks in the wall, all this other stuff. And now they're telling her that she has to completely clear out her living room, which is in the center of the house, that they're going to dig a two-foot hole, and they're going to pour slurry into the, in, underneath the house because it's got a big hole underneath it. Does that sound right to you? Not even remotely. Thank you. So I said, why don't you call? How, how are they? That? How are they guessing that there's this big hole in underneath this house? Well, I asked her that, and she didn't have a great answer, or at least one that suited me. She said, "Well, their engineers came out." And I said, "Okay." And I said, "How many times?" I mean, I said, "Every time I talk to you on the phone, they're out there pumping up one side of your house." I said, "That's not. That doesn't sound like people who know what they're doing." I said, "I think you need another set of eyes on it." Because if they've been out there that many times, and now you have a big hole, and they want, and they want another ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so, I tell you, I mean, it, it it does not sound re- remotely even right now. Does, is it possible that it needs interior work? Absolutely, I wouldn't argue that one a bit. Yeah. But as far as having a big hole under it, now I've only leveled some eighty or ninety thousand homes in the state of Texas. And it is not unusual for there to be a void under the foundation of an inch or two because the the beams are what's in the soil and where the four-inch parts, you know, it it does get a void where the sand settles and stuff. But I can only count on one finger, which is one house, how many I actually got under and found a big void like that. And it was only because an armadillo had gone underneath and dug a, a hole that was three foot deep. 20-foot diameter oh. under the home. Oh, my God. That was a very industrious armadillo. Yes, he was very industrious. <laughs> uh, okay. but, so, no, it doesn't sound right. And, Sarah, I'd be happy to come out and take a look at it. Okay. Well, I had her send you all the email, and she said she didn't hear, but she's not reliable about that kind of stuff. So I gave her your phone number to call. Ha- so. if, if you can call her today, our office okay. is open on Saturdays till 4. Okay. okay. Call the office Have them book it for me either Wednesday or Thursday, and I'll go take a look at it. Very good. I'll do that very thing. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Take care, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, folks, you'll hear all kinds of things when it comes to foundation repair because there are so many fly-by-nights, and I got a pretty good idea who she's talking about because they have a reputation. They come out, and they do their warranties. But they don't do the job right the first time, so they're out every year and a lot of times twice a year until you just plain get sick of it. If you're going to have foundation work done, you got to get a reputable company. And and I'm going to just leave it at that. Joel, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Yes, sir. Um, It has to do with plumbing. Uh, We have two bathrooms, and and, uh, it seems like on the restroom in the hallway – not the master bedroom, but in the hallway. Uh, my wife seems to see 
moisture coming up from the uh, where the towels meet that motor, you know? Yeah. And I have two young men, my two sons, they're adults, but um, I ask them, when y'all take a shower, y'all do close the curtains properly? And they say yes. And there's water on the floor, and I opened up the wall in the little entryway to the bathroom where the bathtub is, and I cut the chirag, and it's all dry. Yep. It's all dry. There's no moisture in there, but over here on the outside of the tub, on the floor, there's moisture, maybe water standing. Okay. Well, there's a couple things that can be causing it. One is if the waste and overflow has a leak. Uh, it can actually get underneath the tile and travel and then come up in the grout lines. The other place where it can happen is even though you've got the curtains and they close them all the way, uh, there, it is possible for it to you know get on like the tub and run over the edge and get onto the floor and run that way. But that normally then would be on top of the tile, not only where the grout lines are. Right. The, the third place... And a lot of times people miss this one is from the toilet. The wax ring under the toilet, if it yeah. goes bad, it can start leaking and let the water again get underneath the tile and travel. And then where it happens to hit the right spot, it comes up through the grout lines. Very good. Very good. I didn't even think about the toilet at all. So okay. I would personally start with the toilet and the waste and overflow. The waste and overflow is very notorious for having leaks, but from now, the description you gave, a lot of times it is the toilet. Yeah, but when you're saying the waste and overflow, <laughs> we're talking about the tub, yes? Yes, the, yeah. the, the uh -huh. drain. Top. Uh -huh. Yep. Okay, thank you very much, Jim. You bet. Take care. Hello, Joe. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, I got a question about uh, stranded bamboo flooring. Um, yeah, we got it. We got it because it had such a tough, uh, tough rating. Um, yep. It, uh, I guess uh, I guess big dog held up fairly well for that. Uh, the problem, I think, is it, it it seems to buckle up in different places uh, when it, when the weather cools off. An old pier and beam house in the heights that we. Uh, renovated um okay. and i guess my theory is because it was laid over the old pine tongue and groove flooring that when that pine contracts it contracts more than that stranded composite bamboo and i guess pulls pull the joints in so is there any way to fix it and uh could it have anything to do with uh maybe the house settling because it's a, a pier and beam foundation now it really won't have anything to do with the house settling uh, mm -hmm. typically what it's going to have more to do with than anything is the moisture change. Okay. Uh, there's two things that cause the floors to buckle up. Now, the moisture change will normally cause the boards to curl a little bit. But if they're mm -hmm. buckling up, it's usually because the expansion contraction. For the buckle up, it's usually the floors have expanded and there wasn't enough space left on the outside edges. It's hitting something. And it starts compressing on itself and ends up bulging up. What would it, what would the uh, solution be? Take up the edge boards and then shave them down, put them back down. Uh, typically, yes. Okay. Now the other thing, though, that can cause it, like I said, is the moisture. And if mm -hmm. you get a lot of 
like today with the rains we're having and stuff, if you're getting a lot of moisture, uh, water and stuff underneath the house, that can send moisture up through those old pine floors that would handle that moisture. But now the new floors don't. We just put gutters on last year. So maybe maybe we got one of those uh, gutters running back on the house possibly. Yeah, I would check that before I did anything else because that is a kiss of death on wood floors. Okay, cool. And uh, as far as y'all were talking about some sort of pier foundation uh, repair, I was told that uh, on a pier and beam house, you basically just had to keep leveling it every five, six years. Is there is there another way to, to not well, have to do that? Well, on a pier and beam, you know, you got the concrete perimeter beam. That normally you can underpin and stabilize it. On the interior part, if, you, if you've got the old base pads, you know, with the blocks mm-hmm. that come up, those are going to continue to move, and you're looking at reshimming those every five years. With the press pile systems, whether it's concrete or a steel press pile, depending on where the home is, you can actually put piles underneath to permanently stabilize those old pier and beam homes now. Really? Who does yep. that? Uh, Do West does. I've done a bunch of them. Absolutely. Uh, Google? Uh, 713. All right. 473-7156. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate it. You bet, Joe. Take care. Have a Merry Christmas. And, and a lot of people don't realize that, but yes, even under those old wooden structures, you can still drive piles to get down into good, stable soil. I'm not going to say it's cheap. Because it is more expensive than just going in and, and re-shimming. But it can be done. And on you know, the nicer houses, it's done a lot of times because they don't want to keep redoing things. JJ, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, G- hey Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, I'm doing good, sir. I have uh, my upstairs window. I have uh, water dripping uh, by the frame. And it's coming to the ledge, you know, and it's dripping, you know, like that. Yep. But it's dripping like one, you know, one drop at a time, you know. Whenever yep. the rain comes, the water comes there. Do you know what's the problem? Well, you've got a leak somewhere up above, and you said this is on the second floor, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, does the does the roof have an overhang where you got soffit boards up there? Yes. Okay, my guess is then that you've got a leak in the roof itself and the water is running down, it's hitting the wall and then coming down through that window. Okay. Sorry. Because but when the water comes down the you know, it it could be 3 feet up on the on the roof, but it's a slow leak where it gets onto the uh roof rafters, it runs down, it hits the wall. And then it just runs down inside the wall on the two by fours, hits where the window frame is, and penetrates through there. See, I had a on the top. I have a AC overflow line going yep. out, and I had a problem with my uh, overflow. My my water was coming out yep. from the overflow line, but this is. I thought that was a problem, but this is when the rain comes. Oh, that's the only time this water comes. 
Yeah, that's you. You've got a roof leak up there. Just real quick to expand on on Mary's question there. Inside a doorknob, you got two sides of it. Normally, there's a little. Some of them are box. Some of them are square on three sides, and then a little loop on the other side, where a pin slides through, and uh, from the other handle. Every once in a while, the metal pieces will just plain wear out, and no longer click together like they're supposed to. A little uh, edge edge will break off. So you can turn the knob from one side, but not the other. Doorknobs are so cheap nowadays. It's just time to replace it. The biggest problem you run into is matching what you have. And unfortunately, there's two issues that you can run into when you're changing out doorknobs, especially on an older house. They have changed the thickness of the doors over the years. And the setback of the door handle. And so that can create a problem for you. But most door handle kits come with inserts. So if you're putting in a new one and you can't figure out why you got these extra pieces, it's because older doors and newer doors aren't the same. And so they have pieces for like where the, uh, oh, where the pin itself comes out and things like that to, to offset the size of the doors. So don't worry about it if you end up with a couple extra pieces. Talking about Christmas, you know, if you're going to go do some Christmas shopping for the handy person in your life, or maybe, like in my case, someone who's just bought a house or looking at buying a house, and you want to get them some tools and stuff to take care of things themselves, well, let me give you a few tips real quick. If you're buying their first set of tools, start with battery-powered tools. Yeah, I know the electric ones, you don't ever have to worry about batteries running down and all that stuff. But what you'll find is the tools with the rechargeable batteries are much handier when you're, you know, especially putting in all new drapes and window coverings and things like that. You need that portability. Those the skill saws that are battery-powered they actually do a great job for normal, everyday household use. Now, do I want to go out and build a house with a set of cordless tools? No, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about homeowners to maintain their homes. So take a look at a good battery set. And, and just a real quick thing, when you're looking at the kits, and by kits I mean sets that come with the, the hand saw, or the hand saw, the skill saw, the circular saw, whatever you want to call it. Skill is a brand, I know, before everybody starts calling. Uh, anyway, circular saws, they got with the sawzall, with the drill, nut driver, vacuum, all these things they, that they throw together in these different kits. The big factor you need to look at is how many batteries come with it. The batteries are extremely expensive on on getting these cordless tools. So look for something that has at least two batteries and a charger. And a lot of times the chargers can charge more than one battery at a time as well. So you'll, th those are the things that can really add to the cost. For some reason, the tools themselves just don't cost that much. All the cost is in those rechargeable batteries. So the next thing you remember, though, is the bigger the battery, the better the tool. And I don't mean the size of the battery. I'm talking about, uh, you'll see them for 
uh, that are rated, you know, old days they were 9.6 volt, and then they started moving them up, and a lot of the stuff is 18 now, and and some of them are even higher than that. The bigger that voltage, the, the number on that battery, the longer it will last for doing chores. Now, if you're going to buy cord-type tools, and if you got somebody who's going to do a lot of wood cutting, things like that, they want that corded tool. The same thing on those motors. The bigger the amperage, the better the tool. You know, if you go out and you buy the... The cheapest one with the, the lowest amp, it's much like the vacuum cleaner. It's just not going to hold up and do the job that needs to be done. You need one that's larger so it has more power. When, when they're cutting the wood and they hit a, a knot in the wood, it's able to still go through that knot. So just keep that in mind when, you, when you're looking at tools. And there's a whole slew of tools out there to make life easier for you uh you know like we just talked about the cordless tools love cordless tools uh you got to get a circular saw and yes i still call them skill saws because that's what they were when they first came out and that's i, I realize it's a brand much like kleenex is a is a brand but we all still call it by that generic name uh, but uh radial alarm saws uh one of those things that you just don't see that often because they've been replaced by miter saws. So if you're going to look for a miter saw, take a look at the ones that have the slide, the slides on them now, because that literally increases the size of the boards they can cut. And what you're looking for is a compound miter saw with a large motor on it. Oh, that'll, that'll do the trick. Now on those, they come with different size blades. So you can get you know, small blades like the 8-inch and on up to 10, 12. The larger the blade, the bigger the, the boards you can cut. 10-inch is a pretty common one. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're looking, keep that in mind. I, I, everybody needs one of those. That's if you're going to do any type of trim work or anything like that. Those compound miter saws are, are definitely the way to go. Again, a, another email question here. I plan to replace some old T111 with hardy lap siding and want to increase the R value on the wall as well by putting on poly sheathing. Am I correct that a moisture barrier, Tyvek or similar, still goes on top of that? Will, will there be any issues if the poly sheathing has a foil face? Okay, first, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the poly sheathing, uh, mostly just because it can sweat behind it. Now, it's not extremely bad, uh, you know, the further north you go, but it is something that can happen. Uh, they do, you know, if you're wanting to increase your R value, they do make a hardy siding, since you mentioned that you're going to use the lap siding, that actually has insulation on it that's breathable. But regardless, to answer your question, yes, you would still want to put Tyvek or hardy wrap or something like that on as a moisture barrier. If it was me, I would take a look at the the James Hardy that has the insulation on it and forget about using the other products. Uh, I would still put up my Tyvek or, like I said, hardy wrap, then go ahead and put my siding up. But uh, and, and that's going to add to your R value regardless. But the other nice thing about when it's got that insulation on it already, it automatically adjusts your gaps. 
so you don't have to worry about them being cattywampered or anything like that. They've put that stuff on to where you can just literally stack it up on the wall and everything is right in place the way it's supposed to be. So it makes it extremely easy for installing the product. If you're going to install Hardy yourself, the biggest thing you have to remember is keep your nails off the edge of the product. If you get too close to the edge, you can break it off. So by, by staying, and that's in the instructions for installing Hardy. And that's whether you're using nails or using screws to install it. Uh, you want to stay off the edge a little bit. Your next piece is going to cover up, you know, wherever you put the screws or nails anyways. And so just keep that in mind. And, yes, you don't need them on the face. Other, what I'm talking about is the nails or the screws right now. Shouldn't be on the face showing with the exception of the first piece that goes on. Did I say that right? No, the last piece that goes on. And regardless, though, the other thing you want to keep in mind is the trim. Now, when you're using Hardy products, don't use wood trim. It makes no sense. It's going to rot. The Hardy siding's not. And so you're forever going out scraping and repainting the wood trim when the rest of the siding looks great still. Replace I'm Tom Forty, given China as well. So you, you want to keep everything up and looking nice and new and clean that way and when you're doing the trim you got two ways of doing it around the doors and the windows and corners you can put the trim on first and then butt the siding up to it or you put the siding up and then you put the trim on top the question I get all the time is do I need to caulk it if I do that absolutely if you put the trim up first and you butt the siding up to it all those joints need to be caulked if you run the siding up first and then put the trim over it you do not need to fill all those little triangles that are left because of the siding, because of the trim going over the siding. Um, everything else has already been sealed behind it if you did the job properly. So, but again, the big thing, make sure you do put a Tyvek or Hardy Wrap or something along that lines behind it in order to protect everything. I want to welcome Chris Arrington from Arrington Roofing on the show now. And Chris, how are you today? Hey, Jim, I'm doing good. Hey, I, I had a, a subject I wanted to ask you about because I heard that you put solar on your office now. Man, I well, and of all the days to talk about it, it's cloudy. <laughs> I was just up at the office I was going, oh, I can punch a button on my inverters. And it's, it's the machine that turns the solar DC power to AC. It might be Greek to some people, but just it makes the power usable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can punch a couple of buttons on there and it'll tell me how much it's produced. And, and you know, to be honest, on a cloudy day, it's not going to produce a lot. But, man, I, I was I was in the office this, later earlier this week when it was real sunny. And, I mean, that thing is just it just it pumping out power. And, and I was talking to some of my, my buddies in the solar. And I said, what, what should I tell people on the radio? And, and they said, well, just... Just tell them what you liked about it. You know what I like about it? I have my own power plant. Now, you, you mentioned some. Are you storing some of the power? No. Now, okay. now that would take that would take battery backup. That would be a lot more expense. Right. And, yeah, and well, like I, I, I was, thought because when you, you when you mentioned that the the, the 
the inverter and everything i i was thinking gosh that sounds like he's got he went with the battery packs and everything but yeah most people just sell it back to the power company well and that's it so so the inverters take the dc power that's coming off the panels and and turn it into ac so when it runs through my meter but but now encore has reprogrammed my meter to where my meter can read like when i'm making a lot of power it's going back into the grid so they're buying power from me just like they would a coal plant or a gas plant or you know some kind of plant uh-huh. but now when it you know the sun goes down or i'm using more power and i need more than i'm making then i'll bring it back in but the way we design the system for the office is that net i'm going to be about zero so you know it, summertime we got a lot more sun i mean i may be making a little bit more wintertime i may be making a little bit less but you know we designed it at that little sweet spot just yeah to where i'm i'm really not going to be hardly paying a bill well well chris would you mind not falling asleep while we take a quick commercial break <laughs> Okay. I want to talk about the solar here uh, a a little bit longer because, you know, we had the guy call in about renting a system. And while we've been on commercial break, I'm I'm thinking about that. And I kind of I see where the company who's renting that stuff out is coming from in the fact that, okay, they go buy the equipment. They take that 30 percent tax credit. They rent the equipment to you. These guys are com- coming out pretty good. If you buy the equipment yourself, once you finish paying off the equipment, you can use that 30% tax credit to put towards your equipment, you know, because you, you don't have to pay that much in taxes. You, you can apply that towards right. the purchase of the equipment. Once your equipment's paid for, man, you got some electric bills that are just unmatched by anything right now. Well, well yeah, and Jim, depending on where you are, the the uh, encore may have a rebate. Your service provider may have a rebate. You know, the, and what what I find is interesting about the solar right now, it, it it's um, it's coming. It's going to be here. It's going to stay here. It's pretty complicated right now. Um, so to have uh, you know have well, a Chris, pro, you know, anytime the government's involved in something, it's going to be complicated. Oh my gosh! Well. And now, you're right. <laughs> that always makes me a little bit nervous. But but bottom line is, like, well, on mine, I'm basically for what it costs and what I'm actually paying for it is about 50% because right. of the tax credits and the rebate. And you get like accelerated depreciation, and it gets into some complicated math. But just think of, you know, it costs half. It's half yeah. price. With all the rebates and stuff that are out there, and and but now you said you had maybe another question. Then I want to I, I go do over because this. you know, and I mentioned this when we started this hour again that you know solar panels are typically put on the roof, so it really makes sense to have a roofing company doing this because for uh, any any time you're having to do something on a roof, especially if you're going to be puncturing holes to secure something down. You better have somebody there who knows what the heck they're doing when it comes time to deal with that roof situation. Right. And that that's why the, the roofing and the solar, it's, it's just a perfect marriage. Because we're always looking at projects that you go, 
you know what, um, you're going to put a new solar system on this. Yeah, is your roof still working? Yeah, but you know what, so that you don't have to take it off and put it back on again, let's, re- let's replace your roof. Or yeah. let's, let's do some major repairs on it. And because and you're right. I mean, unless somebody's out in the farm, they're going to put it in the field, which, which can. It's typically going on a roof. Now, going on the roof like that, uh, how much can uh, the average homeowner expect to realistically be able to produce themselves? Okay, and that, and that's yeah. The, the, those are the big the big questions. And I hate to say this, some houses you, you're not going to you're not going to get it. I mean, my house I've got eighty foot trees in my yard, so too much shade. It depends on which way your house is. I got oriented. a chainsaw if you want to borrow it. <laughs> oh my gosh! My, you know, I hope my neighbors aren't listening. <laughs> But, you know, it, it's it's the sun. The sun's got to hit it. The house has got to be oriented in a certain way. And some of the – I'm just some of it's coming down to aesthetics. If if your house faces south and the panels have to go on the south side of your house and you don't want that look, well, I, you know, there's an option. You We could build a pergola or, or, or some kind of structure out behind your house and set them there, you know, as long as it's – out of the shade, so you so you get sun. Um, you know that, that's it. I mean, just use common sense. I mean, so, do I have a place to put it in the sun? So let me ask you a question on that. So I build a pergola thing, and I'm going to use these up on on the roof of it. Do I still need to put a regular roof on there, or, or can can the solar panels be my roof? Oh yeah, that, that could be your roof. Yeah, it could go on just open open joist, um, however you want to build it. And, and actually, there are guys that have built pergolas to put the solar on that the cost to build the pergola, which is now the solar mount, adds into the cost, which adds into how much more rebate you get on your tax credit. Wow. So Yeah. Do, do these and now you, you kind of piqued my interest here on something. Can, do, do, does that seal up pretty pretty well, or, or are you looking at some water leaks on something like that? Uh, oh yeah, well yeah. I know the the solar panels aren't going to provide a leak proof cover. Okay. So, you know, I'm just thinking if you're looking at an arbor, just an arbor, just to give you or pergola to give you shade, shade like you're yeah. going to put vines up there or something. Uh, uh, do, no. Does it? How how does because I'm just fishing information here now. So mm-hmm. you, you build this pergola with it, and, you know, if you build it with uh, wood and you put shingles on it and all that stuff, you feel quite a bit of heat come through. I mean, you still end up putting a radiant barrier under it to, to protect you know yourself from all the heat. How how's it do if you use the solar panels? Um, the, the solar panels are always going to be up off the roof system, whether it's a sloped or a flat roof. So you've got air running underneath it. And so you're not going to feel the heat build up then? It, it, it's really not going to – I mean, it's it's only going to affect it as much as it's going to give you shade. Okay. And, and the panels don't really get hot. I mean, they can get hot in the summertime because the sun's on them. But they don't, they don't really – when they're making electricity, they're not generating this tons of, of heat right. that's radiating out. Well, how about the – because I know they've got shingles out now. That because these things, you know, they were talking about these coming out for a long time, and I know that shingles are out now for generating electricity. Uh, have you have you looked into those at all? I saw the video that Elon Musk 
did of his solar shingles. And, okay, now we're, we're talking to a Texas audience. Right. His shingles that he's making, in, out in California, you do lots of tile and slate. Well, that's the most expensive roof you can put on. So as far as being the most expensive product you can put for a roofing product, yeah, they're probably maybe a little bit more, but you're going to save in power. But it's still, that's an expensive roof. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not an expert on those. I, I hope they get them perfected and, and they work great. But here in Texas, I mean, an asphalt shingle is going to be a third or a quarter of that price. Right. So I, they're not, they're not, nah, they're just not really for us right now. The, the panels that's, are going to be the best way. That's okay. There, there's nothing wrong with saying that the technology is not ready for us yet. Yeah. Because I said that for a long time with solar until they came out with all these government rebates. To me, solar was too darn expensive. But with all the rebates and tax credits and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it does make sense now. And, and you're exactly right. It, if I had to pay full price for this, the payback would have been 12 years, maybe 13 years, and but it, it's five on my building in, in five years. What I'm going to have saved on electric five to six. What I'm going to save on electricity is going to cover, you know, not taking into time value and money and all that, just dollar for dollar. It's going to it's going to pay for it. And then I mean I'm I'm producing my own electricity. And if somebody buys my building, um, they're going to pay a premium because it's not going to cost as much to run the building. Same as a house. If someone's buying your house, but and you tell them your bills are zero, yeah, ten dollars a month. Well, they're going to pay more for the house because there's there's value. Absolutely. And so, uh, and I'm talking with Chris Arrington of Arrington Roofing and Solar. His number is 214-698-8443. That's 214-698-8443. You know, you, you mentioned that the payback on the, on your system is five to six years. What is the life expectancy of the system? That's one of the big questions, 20 to 25 years. And and people then will say, well, how about if hail hits? Because we're in the hail country. You're, it's just like your roof. You're covered. If, if a panel gets broken, they're going to pay for it. But my installer who's done thousands of these panels, they said, Chris, I've, I've had maybe two of the tens of thousands of panels I've ever put on. He's done a lot in Texas break from hail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets on them. He jumps on them. I mean, on the panels. And right. I said, well, wait a second. But they're, they are really, really strong. So the chance of them getting broken is, is pretty limited. Man, that sounds like a heck of a deal. A five- to six-year payback, and then for the next 15 to 20 years, you got power coming in that you're not paying for. Just, just like going back to the first phone call, I have a power plant on my building. You put a power, and and here's the here's the thing, Jim. You know, you, you're answering. I listened to one of your calls about a doorknob. I mean, it's mechanical; it breaks. Yeah. You put these panels up there. Talk about boring. After that, they don't. <laughs> they sit there. There's no moving. Nothing parts. moves. There is nothing. There's nothing you can even do to it except squirt it with a hose. You know, in case it you know get a little dirt on it or. Birds poop on it or something. Our leaves get on it, blow it off, wash them off. That's that's really all you can do with it. 
and it just sits there. And when the sun hits it, it the little wheel starts turning the other way, and you're making power. It's so simple. Ken, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can we help you? Yes, I have a house that faces east-west, so I have solar panels for my pool on the east side, so that's not an option. But I have a three-car carport, which I could build the structure to hold the the a sun uh, solar cells, solar panels. Do you ever put them on top of sun uh, on carports? Oh, absolutely. Just yeah, any any structure that will hold the weight, and and they're not very heavy. So we would would put them on little stands, and the stands have a flashing that goes up under the shingle, and, and they're not real heavy. And and just just so you'll know, uh, Ken, the direction if. If you're facing straight south, great. But if you're 30 degrees off either way, that's fine. And, and, and this has to do with the Encore rebates that you get. It's when you get all the way to facing straight west or straight east that you lose some of your efficiency plus Encore and this, I don't want to get too complicated, but but they're, they may not give you as much of a rebate if you're I face due south. too far <laughs> off trade south. I face due south. My next question, what inclination do the panels need to be off from being totally flat for optimal? Okay. Um, is your um, roof walkable, like a 5 or 6 and 12? Could, could you walk on it? Yes. Yeah, you're going to be fine. And the reason I say that is my panels on my commercial building, because I have a flat roof, are only at 10 degrees, which is really low. And even yeah, the roofs degrees. that are very, very steep are okay, because you you and I know is in the wintertime, the sun is at a low angle, and in the, in the summertime, it's at a high angle. So all I'm saying is my panels are going to do really, really good in the summertime because they're almost facing straight up. But the panels that are on a steeper slope in the wintertime are going to get, are going to produce more power because the optimum for those panels to work at 100% efficiency, the sun's going to be 90 degrees straight ahead of where those panels are pointing. Do you ever do adjustable ones so that uh, that you can actually move them up and down the inclination by the time of year? That's a great question. That now you now you're introducing a mechanical system. The short answer is you could possibly produce a little more efficiency, but but in my experience, for the downside of having a mechanical system to maintain, it's not going to be worth it unless you are doing a solar farm which we're talking about acres and acres of panels. So on a house, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. I actually, I have, I'm actually going to build the place to hold the panels so I can put it in any inclination I want. And I could, I'm an engineer, electrical engineer, so that doesn't bother me. One other question is, is how does it actually work? When all, okay, it's generating power, and all of a sudden I require more power than the panels are doing. Do they load share? What, what you said that they, they what? But say, say that I'm generating power for my house, all of a sudden the air conditioner comes on, and it's requiring more amperage, more power than the solar panels are generating. Do they then load share between the panels and the electric company? Yes. Yeah. I okay. mean, the, the, right. When you get that big jump, well, what he's asking for the general public, 
when that air conditioner comes on, it spikes the power. It needs a lot more power. We'll know the panels are going to stay producing what they're at, and you know, unless a cloud goes over and or, or leaves. But um, my my electrician and you'll uh, Ken, you'll probably understand this more than anybody. The it's like a water hose coming in to a, a, a fixture, and then it's coming into my house. Now, if my water hose from my panels is pushing a lot of water, I'm getting that into my house. But if it's not pushing much, I'm getting it from TXU or Green Mountain or whoever. Perfect. Thank you. You answered my questions. I appreciate it. So. You bet. Thank you, Ken. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 